This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. This bow and pray. Father, in the name of, <clears throat> name of Jesus, we thank you today for your word. We give you all the honor, praise, and glory for your goodness, Father. For your mercy and your grace, your blessing upon your children. We know that you have provided protection for us no matter what comes in the future. We know that we will overcome no matter what comes in the future. We know that. Your word promises that to us. And Father, as I come to teach today, I know that you will anoint my mind that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from our heart within. Thank you now for a supernatural recall of the scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from our mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance or anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to each person's mind under the sound of my voice, bringing understanding, removing confusion. And that your word is entering every heart, bringing faith, removing all fear. For we have nothing to fear. We thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, for all that is revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today, in Jesus' name. And all those that love Jesus said, Amen. 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 Dr. Johnny, could you just take this from me, please? I'll just use this one here. All right. Part three. Now, <clears throat> once upon a time, there was a judge in a small town, and he had a son who was 20 years old and very rebellious, didn't follow any laws or protocol. And he uh, was turning 21 years old, and he asked his father for a very large motorbike for his birthday present. His father was a wealthy man, but the son never worked. And um, so his father, the judge, said, son, I'm not going to buy that motorbike for you because you will not obey the speed limit. And you'll get caught speeding. I'm the judge in this town. I'm going to be embarrassed. So he promised his dad, I will not speed, dad, I promise you. And he kept nagging, kept nagging, kept nagging, and he wore his dad out. And eventually, his dad bought him this very expensive, huge motorbike. And uh, so a short time later, he was exceeding the speed limit in town, and his father got to hear about it. And said to him, son, I'm hearing that you're going up and down the little street here, the main street in town, far exceeding the speed limit. And he said, Dad, you know, there's only one policeman in this little town, and I don't know where he's at. And when he's around, I won't speed. How's that? He'll never catch me. So a little while later, he got caught doing three times the speed limit. And he had to appear in court before his father. 
So his father stands there with all his robes on and says, now as the judge, I have to fine you. And told him how many rands the fine would be. And it was a lot of money. A lot of money. Or else, six months in jail. So he had a choice to make. So he cried out in court and said, you're my father, how can you send me to jail? You know I don't work, I don't have any money, I'm going to have to go to jail. How can you do this to me? You told me you love me, how can you send me to jail? So his dad took off the robe, came down to his son, he took out his checkbook and wrote out a check for the amount of money that he had to pay. And he held it out to him. And he said, now son, you have a choice. You can either take this gift and walk out, or you can refuse it and go to jail. Now that law story tells us something about our Father. You see, our Father in heaven is a righteous judge. He has to punish the laws he has made to keep peace and harmony in our world, to protect the innocent. But he's also a loving Father. And so he sent Jesus to the earth and punished Jesus for all of our sins. So every sin that has ever been committed in the past and will ever be committed in the future, Jesus was punished for every sin of every human being. So he had a combined punishment. He went to hell three days in our place into the fires of hell, was tormented by demons and Satan. I'm not going to talk about that now, but you can get the whole story in my book on the covenant. So anyway, we have a choice to make in life. We can accept the Father as a Father, and the gift is Jesus, and we can be free. Or we can reject his gift and go to hell. But you see, in that story you see the two very important roles that the Father God has to play. He has to be a righteous judge, but he also is a loving Father and paid the penalty for our wrongdoing. Amen? So you can see his nature and his character in that story. Now, since the Father God is 100% all love, God is love. One can understand that he would long for a family to love and to be loved back in return. One would understand that. The Father wants and desires and longs for a family in eternity that he could love and one that will love him in return voluntarily. A family of people on his level that he could have stimulating conversation with. A family on his level that he could have meaningful fellowship with. If we were not created on his level, it would not be possible for God to have meaningful, stimulating fellowship and conversation with us. It would not be possible if we were not created on his level. For example, imagine 
You're driving out in the country and you go to a farm and you see these cows in the meadow eating the grass. You get out of your car and you walk up to those cows and you stand in front of those cows and he's looking at you with starry eyes because that grass tastes so good. And he's chewing this grass and looking at you. You know that you. And he's looking at you. And then you begin your time of fellowship. And you spend an hour talking with the cow, having a conversation with the cow. You ask him how he's doing. You tell him how you're doing. How's it going with his family? What his plans are for today. And you have this conversation with cow. Right. You come back to your car and you say, well, that was meaningful. That was so stimulating. I'm so invigorated now after having that time with the cow. Is that right? It's not going to help you at all, right? So God's not going to create a robot because that is going to not satisfy his intelligence or his heart of love. He needs to create people who will love him voluntarily on his own level and that he can have stimulating conversation with. And that's what he's done. Do you understand that? Otherwise, he'd be, he'd be lonely in eternity. That's what he's done. Now, what are we about to read here? If you'll go to Genesis 1, please. Genesis 1 and verse 9. What we're about to read here took place on the third day of creation. The third day of creation. Let's see what happened. Genesis 1 verse 9. And God said, Let the waters beneath the sky be gathered into one place so dry ground may appear. And so it was. And God named the dry ground land, and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the sun burst forth with every sort of grass. Sorry, let the land burst forth. That'll be difficult for the sun to do. <laughs> so let the land burst forth with every sort of grass and seed-bearing plant. And let there be trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. The seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came, and so it was. And the land is filled with seed-bearing plants and trees, and their seeds produced plants and trees of like kind. And God saw that it was good. This all happened on the third day. All right? Now let's read what happened on the fourth day day. Carry on reading, verse 14. And God said, let bright lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. That will be signs to mark off the seasons. They will be signs to mark off the seasons. The days and the years. He's talking about the sun and the moon, right? That's what he's referring to. To create, to create seasons and years. Verse 15. Let their light shine down on the earth. Let the sun, the moon, and the stars, let their light shine down on the earth. And so it was. For God made two great lights, the sun and the moon. Why? 
to shine down upon the earth. The greater one, the sun, presides during the day, the moon presides through the night. You also made the stars on the fourth day. And God set these lights in the heavens, why? To light the earth. To light the earth. So you see, God created the universe to bring blessing to the earth. 18, to govern the day and night and to separate the night from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And this all happened on the fourth day. Now let's see what happened on the fifth day. Go to verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with fish, Another life, let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every sort of fish and every kind of bird. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them saying, let the fish multiply and fill the oceans. Let the birds increase and fill the earth. This all happened on the fifth day. Now let's see what happened on day six. Okay, I'm reading verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth every kind of animal, livestock, small animals, and wildlife, and so it was. And God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to reproduce more of its own kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image to be like ourselves. I just want to draw attention to something that's really got nothing to do with this message here. Put a circle around the word us and the word our. Us and our. Let us make man in our image, God said. Now the word God there is Elohim. It means us. It means plural. It's actually gods. If you look it up in the, in the Hebrew, it's gods. That word God there is, should be gods. So God said, that's Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, all three were involved in creation. That's the point. The Father gave authority. Christ, the Word, spoke it. The Holy Spirit blew it on the waters. Okay? Now, then God said, let us make man our image to be like ourselves. Say this, we are created like God. They will be masters of all life the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the livestock and the animals and the small animals. They'll be masters of everything. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and told them, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That means tame it. Tame the earth. Be masters over the fish of the, and the birds and all the animals. All the animals. Now, every planet in the sky, every star, has its own orbit in which it travels, just like the Earth does. And none of the stars or planets collide with each other because they are all connected together in perfect harmony with gravity between the planets. There's gravity between all the planets. There's trillions and trillions of, of, of planets out there. 
And they're all connected in harmony, move in harmony. I don't think there's a computer that's ever been created that can actually manage that. But every constellation, every galaxy of the entire universe is held together by the command of Christ, the Word. According to Hebrews 1 verse 3, Christ sustains the universe by the mighty power of His Word or His command. That's the one that died for you on the cross. God decided that the times and the seasons needed to be God decided the times and the seasons needed by the earth would be provided by the sun and God decided that the ocean tides would be provided by the moon. So the sun would determine the earth's seasons and the moon the tides, all blessing the earth. So clearly, God created the universe for the earth. Can you see that? I'm going somewhere. Hang on there, Targa. Say this with me. God created, God created the, universe the universe for the earth. For the earth. Is that clear in that scripture? Okay. Now, and why did God create the earth? For his children, his sons and daughters. That's why. Love created everything so that love could be fulfilled. We learned at the beginning, God is love, right? So love created everything so that love could be fulfilled. Not only from God's side, but our side. All around. Love created you to satisfy love. Love gave his children every resource they would ever need, not only to exist, but to thrive. For example, the silver, the gold, the minerals, everything we need under the ground, the oil, everything we need under the ground. Set in a beautiful paradise called the earth, filled with valleys, hills, streams, green trees, flowers, and fruit trees, the lion would play with the lamb. There was no danger for God's children in his plan. There was no danger for God's children in his original plan. And the father would walk and talk with his children daily on the earth. So God created the universe for the earth. And the earth was created for God's children, and God's children were created for himself. Say so that God created the universe for the earth, and he created the earth for his children, and he created his children for himself.
All that is confirmed in the Psalms. Psalm 8, verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Now that word angels there is Elohim. It's God. That word angels is actually the Hebrew word Elohim, which is translated as God everywhere in the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, wherever Elohim appears in Hebrew, it's always God in English. Except this place. It looks like the translator's got cold feet. They should have written it this way. For you have made man a little lower than God, and you have crowned man with glory and honor. Now, verse 6 is what I wanted you to see. You have made man to have dominion, that means authority, to rule as the owner, over the works of your hands. So God gave all that he created into the command and authority of man. He gave it away. He created all, made man, and gave everything to man. God made man to have dominion over the works of his hands. You have put all things under his feet. Can we see the tremendous authority that God gave to Adam? Not only was he created in God's image, but everything God created, he gave it to him and said, yours. Manage it all. Take charge. Is that awesome? Can we see the trust that God has in humanity? But what did man do? So Adam was put in charge of the universe, the angels. He was put in charge of the angels. He was put in charge of the demons. He was put in charge of Satan to control him. But God gave man the privilege not only that, but he gave man the privilege of multiplying so that he could give birth, man could give birth to God's eternal family. You see, without man multiplying, God never have an eternal family in heaven. So God trusted man to produce his eternal family. Not only that, but we are in a position now where we have got to get them born again because they don't go unless they are. Satan hates that. He doesn't want God to have any children in heaven. Satan wants God to live alone in heaven forever. Satan doesn't want babies to be born. Did you notice that he doesn't like babies? He wants God to live alone in eternity. God gave Adam legal dominion over all of his creation. And Adam gave it all, including himself, to Lucifer, to God's enemy. You see, when Adam sinned, when he ate that forbidden fruit and sinned, Satan was able to pounce on Adam and take his authority away from him like a cat on a mouse. God had to withdraw from Adam, and he was helpless against Satan with no defense. So therefore, all this authority went 
into the hands of Satan. And Adam now became his slave, the one that was supposed to rule. Satan's nature is death. It's hatred. It's jealousy. His nature is murder. His nature is lust. And all that entered Adam and entered all the animals. They changed. Humanity changed. Murders happened. Hatred happened. Lust happened. The Father's nature, which is life and love and forgiveness, joy and peace, disappeared from the earth. Man needed more than only forgiveness. Forgiveness was not enough. Man needed to be born out of this realm of Satan's death into God's realm of life as well. He needed to be born again. Ephesians 2 verse 1. Follow with me, please, very closely here. Once you were dead, talking about you now and me, once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins, that's before you got saved. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan. Can you see that? The unsaved obey Satan. Can you see that? Obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. See, all the unsaved don't realize it, but Satan is inside their heart working through them. And we were just like that, full of that nature of the devil. He is the spirit of work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature, Satan's nature. We were born with an evil nature, and we, were under, and we were under God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so very much, that even while we were dead in our sin, because of our sin, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. You see, when He punished Christ for our sins and raised Him from the dead, was only, not only Christ that rose, as every single person ever created or born rose from the dead at that moment. Salvation was purchased for everybody right there and then. All right? Now, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's special favor that you have been saved. So we were dominated by evil by the evil prince of darkness, he was working in us to carry out his plans. Just like we now are influenced by the precious Holy Spirit who works in us to carry out the Father's plans. So that I was dominated by Satan and demons, and they worked in me to carry out the devil's plan. But now the Father... Now the Holy Spirit lives in me and carries out the Father's plan. It was all because of the Father's great love for us that we 
that he showed us so much mercy. John 5, 24. Most assuredly, Jesus said, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. That's God's life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Now say, because I believe in Jesus, I have passed out of Satan's death into the realm of God's life. 25. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Jesus is saying, whoever hears his word will pass out of Satan's realm of death into the Father's realm of life. Now, why is this possible? Remember, man was lost, turned away from God, and chose slavery in Satan's kingdom. That's what Adam chose. Slavery in Satan's kingdom. Therefore, the creator of the stars, the creator of the moon and the earth, the creator of the animals, the birds, insects, mankind, the Son of God himself came to rescue us from ourselves. He came to rescue us from ourselves. It was Adam's decision to be a slave in Satan's kingdom. Satan could never force him to do that. He had all the authority. He could not have forced Adam to do that. Therefore, the creator of the stars died in our place. He had to enter the realm of death, take the full punishment of our collective sin before God. Love itself pursued us in the realm of death. Love pursued us in the realm of hatred and the depths of the damned, searching for his lost love. Because we were doomed for, for hell forever. Searching for us. The prophet Isaiah reveals Christ's suffering. In Isaiah 53, let's go there please. Actually, we're going to go to Psalm 88. It's the same story. Go to Psalm 88, you'll see. Many years before, Christ died on the earth, on the cross. This psalm was written, Psalm 88. And Isaiah 53 is exactly the same thing. And they lived separate, separate centuries. So, but it's the same story. This now, what you're about to read, is that horrifying experience of Jesus Christ in the fires of hell. This is his experience in hell and was written before he went there. You got it? Before he went to hell, this is written as if he was in hell, and this is Christ talking to God from the fires. You ready? Verse 1. O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out to you day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength. Adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. 
You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. That's, that's the fires of hell. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your wings. You have put away my acquaintances far from me. The other disciples fled from him. You have made me an abomination to them. I'm shut up and I cannot get out. My eyes waste away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I've stretched out my hands to you. Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead rise to praise you? Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But to you I have cried out to Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my song? Why do you hide your face from me? I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They come around me all day long like water. They engulf me altogether. Love one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. Now, this is a picture of our Creator suffering in hell in our place, banished by God, experiencing the judgment pain of every human being ever born, all combined. All combined. No one else in all eternity has ever been asked to bear such suffering. This is where love proclaimed God's goodness. And loving kindness to those who were in hell, to those who have rejected God. So in the fires of hell, Christ proclaimed the goodness of God. And all those who rejected God in the fires of hell, including all demons and Satan himself, understood that he was there taking our death to save us. They all understood that he was there taking our punishment to save us. The heathen, even Satan, has no more grounds to be able to doubt the Father's love for his children. No one can doubt the love of God for us. Then on the third day, the Holy Spirit, the life of God, entered Christ and he stood up on his feet. He took the keys of hell and death from the devil. He took back the dominion that he gave away to Adam. Now all these and all those who believe, that's you and me, in what Christ has done for us, are immediately transferred out of death into life. Jesus rose from the dead and he said, I have the keys of hell and of death. Those are the keys that he gave to Adam, that Adam gave to Satan. That's why he said, all authority is given to me when he rose from the dead. He conquered and won it. Fair and square. Out of Satan's kingdom into Christ. That's what's happened to you and me. We who understand all this, we who know what he has done for us, are overwhelmed with his love and appreciation. We are so appreciative. We worship the Father with our whole heart willingly. 
We'll never walk away like Adam did. For all eternity, we will be very grateful and worship our Father from the heart. And we will enjoy and dwell in the Father's love and presence for eternity. So this message is titled, The Heavenly Father Loves His Children. And I do pray that you believe that. Do you believe God loves you? Do we understand what He did for us? He created us, we turned away from Him, and they went back and fought and died for us to win us again. Isn't that amazing? What a story. Only no one can imagine something like that. Praise His wonderful name. Praise His wonderful name. We're going to pray for the sick. Is that okay? We're going to pray. Let God move here today. Are you ready for that? How do you have something you trust in God for this morning? Whatever it might be. Now, if you're not using your faith, then maybe you should get buried. I have never been a Christian for one day without using my faith for something. I'm always using my faith for multiple things. So let me try that again. Are you believing God for something? Yes. Good. All right, I'm in the right place then. Let's watch this video. All right, well, love you all. Every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. So that I can't let you all testify. I'd love to. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now, we'll be praying for the sick tonight. And tonight, Pastor Bev has got a powerful message for you. You can't miss it. She's so fired up. I don't know if we're going to keep her on the platform or not. She might just take off. All right, so every head bowed, every eye closed. How many are going to say, Apostle Theo, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. I don't know where I'm going when I die. Can you help me? Yes, I can. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you want to be sure you're going to heaven one day, I want to pray a little prayer and God's going to speak to your heart right now and confirm to you that you are saved and going to heaven. If that's what you want, is confirmation, then He's going to give it to you if you invite Him to give it to you. While I pray, it'll happen, but you have to invite Him first. So I'm going to count to three, slip your hand up and take it down. That'll be, the, that'll be your invitation to God to speak to you. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Keep those hands up just for a moment. Somebody's coming to put their hands on your shoulder to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I pray. Go ahead, leaders. Keep your hand up. Wave them. All right. Everybody, please say this prayer with me. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart, Lord. Save my life. Praise God. I am saved bound for heaven. God is my Father. I'm God's child. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen, amen. So I want you, if you raise your hand, I want you to go with the person who prayed with you to the place of prayer for just a moment, and then um, you'll be free to leave. That's very important for you. So give them a big hand as they get up and go right now. And the rest of you, the rest of you, listen very carefully here. Next Sunday morning, 
I'm going to explain to you the problems that are coming and the solution. You're going to learn what to do, not to be caught in the 666 spider web of the Antichrist. It's very important. Don't miss it, all right? And then I'm going to give you a powerful series of teachings through the week at celebration to help you no matter what happens in the future. So, don't miss next Sunday morning. How many of you have seen that little video that I showed you today, before today? You see it on social media. How many of you saw that on social media? All right, well, we're going to try and send it out to everybody this week. Can we do that, Dr. Joe? Give them all a copy. And you can use this video to invite friends and family to church next week, okay? All right, love you all. God bless. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.